Mark your calendar. The 2022 DSO Connect Retreat will be June 24th through 26th in sunny Phoenix, Arizona. Join us for an inspiring weekend full of practical content that will help you take your studio to the next level. And you'll make lifelong connections with fellow studio owners. Spots are extremely limited to keep this event intimate, so go to dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on the Retreat 2022 tab to sign up today. In the meantime, grab your copy of the 2021 Retreat Replay. Topics for this retreat include your studio dashboard using the five pillars of your business, budgeting, ways to wow your customers, killer sales process, early childhood classroom ideas, middle and high school classroom ideas, positive attitudes and magical words, transitioning to the helm, and how to set goals and actually follow through. Go to dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on the Retreat Replay tab to grab your copy for just $1.99. And don't forget to sign up for the 2022 Retreat, June 24th through 26th in Phoenix, Arizona. We can't wait to see you there. Hello and welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I'm Casey. I'm Robin. How's it going? What's happening? Oh, it's going good. Um, you know, working and going to the gym and enjoying the sunshine. It's getting warmer here and oh, yay. Um, just doing my little routine and it's it's good. Enjoying the cats. Nice. The, the BB fell in the pool. The cat, the kitten fell in the pool? Yes. We were in the hot tub and we were going around and around about something. And then all of a sudden the cat started chasing, the BB was chasing the pootie around the pool and the BB tried to like leap the corner and missed. And I saw it and oh I leaped out of the hot tub and I was like, the cat's in the pool, the cat's in the pool. And before we could get to him to save him, he, he, he was doggy paddling and he did claw his way out before we could even get from the hot tub to the other end of the pool where he was. And he got out and boy, he was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> the good news is we, Wally and I pretty much forgot about what we were fighting about at that point. And, well, there you, know, you go. Perfect. It was, a, it was a big, yeah. Oh my God. That's so funny. Is, is the kitten okay now? Yeah. He got wrapped in a towel and under the heat lamp and He's good. I think he probably forgot about it by now. <laughs> but, oh you know, I never, so I always wondered what would happen if a cat fell in a pool. Yeah. Like, do instinctually swim? I mean, I know they don't like to be in a pool, but do they instinctually swim? And yes, they do. Well, there you go. Now, you know. So how are you, Miss Casey? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, um, you know, lots of work. I've had I feel like since we returned from winter break, I have not, I'm pretty sure I haven't had a single week where all of my teachers teach their own classes. Oh, like we've had people out on vacation. We've had people out for family emergencies and illness and, you know, all kinds of things. And so I've had like subs on subs on subs and then like the subs call out and then I'm scrambling to either find another sub or cancel classes or cover classes myself. And so I've been working more hours than I like to work. Um, but I think knock on wood, um, I think that 
all of my staff is at least not going on vacation anytime soon. So, um, so that I, I think it's calming down now. Um, so yeah, so I can get back to focusing on, you know, my, my job as a studio owner and not just my job as a studio manager. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah that's huge because with me being in Florida, they would never, and they haven't asked me to teach in a long time, but, mm-hmm. um, I can't teach. Right. Just figure it out. Right. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I, my hip hop teacher was out last week and I was so proud of my, one of my teenage assistant teachers, because she stepped up to the plate and taught the boys hip hop class by herself. Like I wasn't even there to supervise her because I was in a meeting. Um, and so she did a great job with that. And then the next class was a teen class. So like basically her peers, like her classmates that she used to dance with. Now she's in the advanced class, but she used to dance with these students and she taught their class too. Um, she taught like the set warm up that the hip hop teacher has. And then, um, where they worked on their recital choreography and she was like giving them feedback and corrections and cleaning and stuff. And she did a fabulous job and I was so proud of her. That's awesome. And, and as, leaders in our businesses and mentors to these students, that growth is as important, if not more than when we see our students, like get that triple pirouette. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. So much more, Yeah, you know, gratifying. And it's like, I'm so proud that, you know, she, and you can clearly see that she modeled the behavior of the role models at the studio. Like she didn't just, I mean, she saw how the teacher did it and she saw how you ran, you know, the classroom. And, you know, that to me is just like the best. Yeah. Really good stuff. Yeah. 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 So that was, that was really great to, to witness. It was a stressful day, but we made it through and it was, it went overall, it went really well. So yeah. Good. Yeah. So somebody in our Facebook community was asking about open Marley night Mm -hmm. and um, I was, you know, answering some of her questions in the community, in the chat or in the comments. And I thought maybe we should, you know, talk about open Marley night. It seems like so many people are kind of fascinated by this concept Yeah, and um, maybe we can talk about it a little bit because we're working on it right now. Perfect. So I love that idea. I've been, I've been wanting to start an event like open Marley night at my studio for years. So I'm definitely interested to hear more about how you deal with the logistics of it and the planning of it. So first start by telling us what is open Marley night and how did it start? Right. So long, long time ago, back in Baltimore, when you were my student, Mm -hmm. um, we started an adult, um, Adult, an adult company in Baltimore city. There's lots of, you know, dance companies out and about for, for adults. So we started a company called the collective and it gave an opportunity to um, adult dancers in the community to create choreography and present it. So one of the events that we planned for this company was um, it was going to be like a sharing of work in progress. And we were going to invite other dance companies from the area to join in. And it would be kind of a community event 
where we would they would present work in progress, um, open it up for discussion for the audience, and and most of the audience would be other artists. And um, you know, afterwards we would have a reception with you know food and wine or whatever. So we were trying to come up with a name for it, and I can't take credit for it. It was Michelle Stone. She said. Um, we should call it open Marley night, like open mic night, but open Marley. And um, we were just like, yes, that's perfect. So we did it a couple, a couple times in Baltimore. And it was just what I said. It was just, we opened it up to local artists, performance artists, dancers, whatever. And they just came and it was very artsy and very community and very, um, and we Im invited our upper level dancers to come and watch. So it was also educational for them mm. to see how, um, you know, professional artists do their work and, you know, have and converse right. about their art as opposed to, and it was really about teaching the dancers that in dance, we're not always trying to make our audience feel happy or entertained or wow. Yeah. I mean, there are so many emotions that we want to teach our dancers and not all of those topics are really appropriate for our recitals. So this was a chance for us to do more weighty material um, that we wouldn't necessarily present in our end of year recital or in our, in our holiday show. Um, so sometimes, you know, we're trying to teach our dancers that sometimes we want to evoke emotions from the audience like discomfort or sadness or grief or, um, anger even or just it's okay because as artists they're not you know that you want to evoke different emotions from your audience not just right. happy all right. the time <laughs> um so anyway once we um we did it a couple times like that and then when we came to Pennsylvania there are no adult professional companies mm. in our little rural town. So we, we decided that we would invite other dance studios to come and bring their upper level dancers. And it didn't work because um, I think that the other dance studios or studio in the area, like they didn't do modern or contemporary. They're more of a competition studio and also there was a you know it was just weird like vibes between right. neighboring studios and it wasn't a we never really clicked mm. with that camaraderie so it was just us and um so we had to figure out how to kind of reinvent it so what we ended up doing was we would invite some guest teachers to come in and again I don't like to call them master class teachers so we call them guest teachers unless they truly are a master. And so um, the, it, we, we used to run it on a Saturday and we would spend the morning, they'd have their regular classes in the morning. So everyone had a nice ballet class and everyone was really kind of ready to go. And then after lunch, we would have the guest teachers teach a series of classes um, in modern and contemporary mm -hmm. improv styles. So we're not doing Broadway stuff at this event. It's, it's mostly the modern contemporary stuff. And um, so that was a, re a really good opportunity for the, the dancers to experience teachers right. that they don't normally have. And then after, oh, rewind, start. we always mm -hmm. do this event in March. And because it's kind of that midway between our holiday show and our spring show, that seems like there's no end to this, yes. you know, winter. So it's a nice little 
stop in the road where the kids can, you know, look forward to this. But so they start in January working on this choreography. Um, we use our contemporary class to work on it. We use company rehearsals to work on it. And we also give our students the chance to um, audition a piece for student choreography. So we only take like three pieces of student choreography, um, but there's different criteria that they have to meet because we don't want them coming in completely unprepared and or it needs to be of a certain caliber and we have to help them through. We don't want to say, sure, you can present. And then they show up with something that's half-baked or whatever. It, so we nurture them along. Um, so anyway, back to the day of the event, after the guest teacher classes, we do a, a dress rehearsal for the event and the guest teachers adjudicate the rehearsal. Mm. And that's really cool because it makes the students a little nervous and it makes the dress rehearsal seem a little bit like a performance because they've got these, you know, practically strangers who are professionals in their field, um, you know, watching them and then offering feedback. And a lot of times the feedback is not stuff that can be changed for the performance, which is, you know, moments away, right. You know, like, Oh, you should, you should change that diagonal to this or whatever they, but it, they, it is nice that they can get feedback from, you know, different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And then um, after that, we, um, ha- we would have the performance in our studio and it was a very intimate event. I would allow the parents to bring wine. I would serve wine and the dads would bring a little, their little, their little cooler of beer or whatever. Um, because I learned that when you, when the parents, because now our audience is different than in Baltimore. Now it's all parents. Mm-hmm. And whereas in Baltimore, it was artists. And we didn't want, and, and what I learned early on was the parents feel like their opinion about a dance is not valid. Like, I don't know anything about dance. What would I have to say about it? And there was, it was a bit like complete silence when we would open for discussion. So I started pouring wine for people and then the, they started talking. That's great. And, and the parents really appreciated this. Um, and some people may have a problem with having alcohol at a kid's event and you don't have to, but in, in our community, it works well. And the parents also look forward to this event because they can kind of, it seems like a little more adult, you know what I right. mean? Right. Yeah. It's not like you've got seven-year-olds performing. No. Right. Yeah. It's, it's our older dancers. And um, so I allow them to drink during the performance. Mm-hmm. And then, they, you know, we talk, there's always tears. There's oh. always, there's always some emotional moment where, you know, usually the teachers are all standing like on the floor, you know, on the side of the stage and we'll come out and, and speak about, you know, we have a microphone that gets passed around for anyone who wants to talk, but the teachers will usually some, usually someone has something to say about some student who has made huge strides. Mm. Like, I just need to call out Sydney because she's been through so much. And then the mom, Sydney's mom is crying and Sydney's crying crying, but it just gets a, gets very emotional. Right. Um, and then, um, 
we usually, we, we used to ask the parents to bring like appetizers to share and they would enjoy that before the event. And then after the event, we would have um, desserts that they brought to share. So you could bring either either or whatever. And then a- after the show, the students would mingle with the, the families and, and get, you know, all the accolades and all the chit chat and whatever. But in 2020, we canceled it. Mm-hmm. And then in 2021, people were still acting concerned about being so packed in close together. Right. So um, we rented a wedding venue and that changed the whole dynamic. So now we do the, the guest classes on Saturday and then, and the rehearsal. And then on Sunday we go to the wedding venue and now we have to use their catering. So oh, wow. um, the parents are bringing stuff, which made it more expensive, right. but we absolutely charge for this event. Um, either way you do it, if you're doing it in-house or outside, I would recommend that you budget out the event and, um, include it in the year, the company fees for the year. Mm. That way you've got money to run the event and to, um, pay the teachers, but you don't have to ask the parents to shell out additional money mid-year. Right. Um, this way, I know that if I've got 50 kids in the dance company and I'm hiring four guest teachers, I know that I've got 100% attendance. 50 kids are paying for this masterclass and I charge them what I need to charge them, spread it out throughout their fees. And even let's, there might be one or two people who are at great grandpop's 100th birthday or whatever, but they still paid, you know, and, and you do the same thing. I think it really works. Um, but if you, say, Hey, your master, your guest class teacher fee is due. You might have more people saying, yeah, we're going to opt, yeah, we're gonna out, opt out. Exactly. Yes. When you say this is included in your fees, yeah. they're like, Oh, what a lovely gift. Right. <laughs> Another right. thing included in our fees. Amazing. <laughs> right. Right. So do you, so, and- so you, you include the guest teacher's part of this event in their fees? Do you charge admission for tickets for open Marley night? So we, when we did it in house, we would allow each, yeah, we would, we would factor in a ticket charge and everyone would get two tickets because we could only accommodate so many people in that room. Um, But now at the wedding venue, the tickets are like $75 each because we have to use their catering. Oh my gosh. Um, So but because again, because it's included in their fees, the parents are like, Ooh, we get two $75 tickets each. Um, that's lovely. But then if they want a third ticket, they have to pay the full mm. $75, which makes it a little bit more steep. But the parents, I wasn't sure if the parents would want to do the wedding venue again after 2021, because this year, 2022, we could have gone back to the studio, right. probably my, my people are fine. Um, but the parents were kept asking me like, are we going to do it in the venue again? And I had booked it like the day after last year's event, I rebooked it uh, for, for our week and the parents are loving it. That's great. It's just like, you know what it's like? It's like a football banquet, Mm -hmm. but it's Mm -hmm. not like a football banquet at all. (laughs) It's like a football banquet in the sense that the families get dressed up. Um, they look forward to seeing their child shine and be acknowledged. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's like, and yeah, so it's just, uh, 
Oh, the other thing we do is we do the National Dance Honor Society and we induct the students at Open Marley Night. Nice. So, because I don't like to do stuff at our show, like give out trophies or um, like give out awards and stuff. I just don't do that at our show because I want our show, our big spring show to be more like a Broadway show or mm-hmm. something like that. We wouldn't have them come out and like give acknowledgements to people. Right. And, um, and that just makes the show even longer. <laughs> Right. So we do it in this intimate setting. And usually there's like maybe five or so dancers that are getting inducted into the National Dance Honor Society. And Mandy, who handles that, does a really great job. Like she'll write a little short essay about each student that that talks about them personally. It's not just like, you know, Casey has been dancing since she was three and she's like the best tapper in her class. I mean, she's they talk about more you know, personal challenges that maybe the Mm. students have been through and and accomplishments. And so of course the mommies are like, you know, so proud and, and there's flowers and there's a pinning ceremony. The dancers get to decide who wants to pin that, who's going to pin them. So it might be their big sister or it might be a teacher that they really connect with. Um, so that's a big deal. Um, yeah. So open Marley night for us is, Oh, the other thing is A lot of dance studio owners recently have been, I've been hearing some chatter about, you know, some frustration with competitions and, you know, Chasta had that book, um, Trash the Mm Trophies. So I know that there is some buzz and some studio owners are considering, you know, why are we doing competitions? Someone asked in one of the groups last week, well, if you don't do competitions, aren't your kids bored? Like, How do you keep them busy? Right. And so I, this is a great way to, to give them a performance opportunity. That's not actually a competition. Right. That's awesome. Right. Yeah. And I've got, I mean, our kids are so busy that their parents are kind of in some cases like begging for less, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, we're going to sign up for the musical, but we're just coming back from the, the studio Disney trip. And then the week before that is the recital. And the week before that is this and that. Yeah. So so much. Um, but you just, you know, you can balance it by making certain things optional and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but the last thing I'm going to say on the open Marley night thing, which is kind of a different topic is guest teachers. I've been a little bit salty lately Mm. about, um, guest teachers. And honestly, I, I guess my saltiness started a while ago when I realized that you know, you're not a master class teacher. You're just not, unless you're, you know, Frank Hatchett or, you know, Norma Para or, you know, you're, you're, you're not a master teacher. So let's stop it with that. So, and I think we're all on the same page with that, but what I'm also seeing as a studio owner is a lot of teachers, um, putting themselves out there on Facebook groups or whatever, like, Hey, I'm doing my guest series for the summer, like hire me. Like, I'm just going to bop around to different studios and, um, teach here, there and everywhere. Well, that's all fine and good, except I want them to be really good teachers, right? Because what they do is they charge, way more per hour than you would pay a regular teacher, mm-hmm. right? So is my kids, are my kids going to learn something or are you just going to entertain them for an hour? Right. So we have had experiences in the past where, you know, and I expect to pay more for a guest teacher mm-hmm. because they're traveling. But I've had situations before where we've come out of it and I look at my, te- my teachers, my EMC teachers, and I'm like, 
you could have given a better class than that. Right. It's given the money to you because for example, um, have you ever sent your kid to a kids to a guest class and they're not, the teacher doesn't break things down. It's just tricks. It's just choreography. It's not like any kind of technique training. It's just like, okay, let's jump right into some choreography. And like, and that is great. And like kids need to be exposed to different styles of teachers who teach different styles of choreography. But I think the, the main benefit of having multiple teachers is to have a different frame of reference or a different perspective on breaking down technical concepts and having a different brain teach you than what you're used to. Um, and not necessarily the choreography and the fancy tricks and stuff. So I totally, yeah, I totally agree with you. And when I hire a guest teacher, I lay it out very clearly what I'm expecting to see. Um, kind of like I do in kind of like how I do when I bring in a teacher, um, who's a candidate for a new position with my studio, I will say, okay, so you're so great. You can come in on this day and teach this class. Here's what I want to see from you. I'm looking for your connection with the students. I'm looking for how you break down the technical material. I'm looking for, you know, all these different aspects of a good, of what makes up a good class. And so I tell my guest teachers that too. I, you know, I tell them very plainly that, yes, it's a guest artist class, but I expect there to be more than just a combination. I want to see you actually teach technical material. <laughs> I want to see you yeah. do like a plie exercise and a tendu exercise and or, you know, whatever it might be, whatever style it is, but not just choreography. Yeah. I think I need to implement that and that could solve some of the problems. Um, but additionally, consider that like I always we we're struggling to to hire teachers who want to teach on the regular schedule Mm -hmm. and it seems like especially post 2020 people don't want to make a commitment and they you know they want to bop around and do different things maybe they like the idea that they can make more money per hour by doing guest gigs right Mm -hmm. but if you're only doing guest teaching gigs are you really experienced in teaching students over time, how to accomplish things. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, I know you Casey have had the experience of teaching a student from age of three to 18 Yes, and taking them along that journey. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do it for 15 years, but can, have you taught the same students for a year ever in your life? And have you actually brought them from point A to point B? Um, or do you just do these one-offs where it's basically like you're putting on a show Yes, and, and read the room. If you, if you think the students are going to be a certain level and you show up and they're a little different Mm -hmm. or they're the variety of levels is different, read the room and adjust for the amount of money I'm paying you. I would expect you to be able to adjust and not say, oh, well, I planned the class for, you know, eight-year-olds who, you know, knew how to do illusions and pirouettes and this and that. So I have to stick to the class I planned. No, no, no. For the amount of money that I'm paying you, you need to be able to adapt in the moment. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely. Tell me the lesson plan you played, you planned, and then you have to keep walking down this road, even though it's a disaster. And you need to be adaptable without the students knowing that you're adapting. Right. I've seen 
like convention teachers or guest artist teachers who have a you know piece of choreography planned or an exercise planned that is at a certain level but then the people who the dancers who are actually in the room are below that level and the teacher then gets frustrated and says all right well let's let's go back to basics or let's let's rework this or or you know it's like they're they're giving it away that they're frustrated with the skill level of the students in the room and that does not make them feel good like yeah. even the little ones can pick up on that like they know they know yeah. and that's not a good feeling so somebody who can actually adapt and do it like kind of on the on the sly <laughs> is is yeah. important yeah. So I, I certainly didn't mean to be trashing guest teachers. No, there are I so love, many great guest teachers out there. I would just really love to see them understand that they need to actually be teaching and not just entertaining. Yeah. And, you know, we recently had an event where we had some guest teachers and um, I asked Brooke, you know, how to go. And she said, well, the kids had a great time. <laughs> And I'm sure they came, you know, they were in the car on the way home with their mom saying, it was so challenging. And I'm sure that they, they thought they were super challenged and then they were inspired and, and all those things are good, mm -hmm. but did, did they really learn how to do that skill or did they just, were they just granted permission to do harder things than we usually let them do? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's where I want, I want to be careful. Right. Cause that's fine once in a while, but we do guest guest teacher gigs several times throughout the year. So I want to make sure that they're really teaching. Yeah. So how do you find your guest teachers? Well, they're pretty easy to find, um, <laughs> but the good one, well, uh, Towson university is nearby. Mm -hmm. Um, I created a Facebook group called job opportunities for dance educators or dance instructors in Maryland and Southern York County or something like that. So you could set up a Facebook group where for your geographical area where, um, you know, dance teachers and dance studio owners can post their availability and also jobs. So that's really taken off. So um, I like the idea that of, I like that I started the group. So sometimes, so I can kind of control and moderate what's going on in there. Um, so that's a, a big source. And then people just send, seem to reach out to us. Mm -hmm. um, where do you find guest teachers? Um, I mean, the same. I, I post in, if I'm looking for a guest teacher for a specific event, I'll post in my local dance community group. Um, and again, like you said, if there's no local Facebook group for dance teachers or dancers in your area, just make one. Um, it's not, it's not going to be like a really labor intensive thing to manage. And if it becomes a labor intensive thing to manage, you can either like ask for volunteers from the group to be moderators, or you can just shut it down if it's too much, you know, like it doesn't have to be a whole another project on your plate to create a Facebook yes. group for, I spend so little time. On yeah. It. I spend. Yeah. So and I'll post in, so I'll post in groups and then I will, um, you know, I also get people reaching out to me. I just got an email from somebody who's coming to Virginia from LA and has done a lot of commercial work. Um, and so I'm trying to, you know, figure out a, a good, a good weekend for him to come in. Um, so yeah, I think 
Um, if you, if you don't have a group like that, definitely make one. I love bringing in local guest teachers because it's so exciting to learn like, oh my gosh, there's so much talent right here where we live. Like you don't necessarily, I mean, depending on where you live, like this might not be true for small towns or very rural areas, but in a lot of places, there's so much talent right there and you don't have to pay travel expenses or hotel rooms for guest teachers to come and teach your kids because there's so much talent. And, you know, like, like you said, um, local colleges that have a dance or a theater program um, are a great uh, place to reach out to that sort of thing. Um, even, also, sorry, go ahead. Also other studios. That's what I was going like, to say. Yeah. If you have a sister studio that's like further away, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've got um, friends who own a studio in White Marsh, uh, which is probably about an hour from our studio. So you're not worried about students, you know, moving to a different studio. Right. Um, but I, you know, we have a great relationship and we do think, and, you know, I'll, she may have, and I like this because you know that the teachers teach regularly. Right. And it's not they're like, they're just on the guest teacher circuit or sometimes um, the problem with universities is, I mean, if you're a dance major in college, that's fine, but that doesn't automatically make you a teacher. Right. And you've, you've, even talked about that before. Like when you were at Rich at um, VCU, you said that you felt like you were not given any education about teaching. Yeah. I took a class called dancer as teacher or something like that. Um, I forget the actual, I think that was the actual name of it. Um, And it was geared. It was basically like the basics of teaching dance, but to adult dancers. It, it wasn't, it didn't really explore teaching to children, which was disappointing to me because realistically, if you have a degree in dance, what are you going to wind up doing with that degree? Probably like, you know, a high percentage of people with a dance degree, whether they're also performing professionally or not, or choreographing professionally or whatever they wind up doing, they will also probably be teaching children how to dance. And shouldn't we be as, as educators and as, you know, college programs that are trying to promote and continue and, and, and grow the, the, the art form of dance, like, isn't it our responsibility to teach these artists how to teach children? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's a really good point. Excellent point. Yeah. So, and I know that there are a lot of program, a lot of college dance programs out there that have specific, um, dance education tracks or programs that you can, you know, major in dance performance or dance education. And I think when I went, when I was choosing my colleges, when I was looking at colleges and I chose which school I wanted to go to, I did not expect to become a teacher or a studio owner at that point in my life. I was not looking in that direction for my future. So I was very much like, well, I'm going to be a famous choreographer and I will have a a brilliant dance company. And, um, you know, I had, I had those kinds of goals. So I was looking for a performance and choreography, you know, strengthened program. And that's what I found at VCU. But then the reality is you're also going to wind up teaching too. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. You fell in love with that. You fell in love with students. Yeah. And I, I wonder if they have, no, sorry, God. I wouldn't No, finish. Oh, I was just going to say that. Like I was so, once I finished my college 
dance program, I was so incredibly burnt out on all things dance that I did not mm-hmm. want to step foot in another dance studio like ever again at that point. I was so burnt really? out. Yeah. Yeah. But hmm. I was looking for jobs and what was I qualified to do? Teach dance. And so I found mm-hmm. a couple of jobs teaching at different studios and different programs in the area. And I fell back in love with dance through teaching kids. Mm-hmm. Like I, like it reignited my passion for the art form because I was able to see how much this, the kiddos loved it, you know? Yeah. And it was less I academic and more just visceral and, and technical. Wow. I wonder if any colleges have um, courses or um, degrees in dance studio ownership Mm. because frankly, I don't think they need to because there are so many dance studio owners sharing their knowledge Mm -hmm. for free or for, you know, in, on, on the internet or in groups like Misty Lown and, you know, what we're doing and there's Clint and there's so many people, you know, helping, but I just wonder if any colleges are doing that as well. I tried to, um, at VCU, I signed up for a arts and business management course. Like that was one of the classes that, that when I saw the course catalog as a potential um, student, I was like, Ooh, I have not seen that course at other schools. I want to go to this school so I can take that class. Mm. And when I signed up for it, the semester that I signed up for it, literally no one else signed up for it. So they couldn't even run it. (laughs) So I never even got to take the class. That's, that's not a good story. Right. (laughs) No one else in my, in my year was interested in taking that class. And I was like, people, come on arts and business management. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it amazing though, that the, that studio owners, I just think that as a breed studio owners are amazing Yes. because most of them, I mean, let's assume that there are not degrees that you can get in how to be a dance studio owner. Let's just assume that there aren't. Right. Um, there's a lot of dance studio owners who are killing it mm-hmm. and they don't have a degree and they didn't probably take business in college. They probably took dance and then became teachers and then decided they wanted to learn about business and then figured it out or sought out help from outside sources. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I mean, dance studio owners are killing it. It's kind of yeah. like, um, it's kind of like old, uh, the other people I'm really impressed with are like people who own family restaurants mm. and who just generationally, like they just know how to do it. And they, they just, I'm not talking about that fancy new place that, you know, that million dollar place that's, you know, just opens. And then a year later it closes. I'm talking about like that family staple business, like even a pizzeria or something. It's like, they know how to do it. The whole family is involved. It's blood, sweat, and tears. It's not always glamorous, but, and they're probably, you know, sitting on real estate that they own maybe, or they have nice money put aside and they figured out how to run their machine. That's just impressive to me. Yeah. I love Absolutely. It is. I also love watching shows like Bar Rescue or uh, have you watched they that? Do a, no, but I, I, 
I don't watch a lot of TV, but I, I love the idea of like a dance studio rescue. Well, I think they they were trying to start that with Abby Lee Miller. No, but she's not the right person. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. We should do it. Um, clearly that is what we should do. We need a camera crew. We need some executive producers to, you know, green light it and fund it. And we need to travel around the world and help people, uh, you know, streamline and build up their dance studios. That's what we need to do. That would be a fun game. Wouldn't that be so fun? And if it was like all six of us, we could like each take a little slice of the business and like restructure yes. it and help it succeed and yeah right like so queer fun. eye for the straight exactly queer eye for like a right queer eye but for dance studios <laughs> i love it anyways we've been on for almost an hour and i feel like we got a lot out there yeah definitely definitely yeah. all right so what's your heart happy moment robin Well, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to jinx it, but I'm trying to manifest something that is the biggest dream I've ever dreamed. And it involves real estate and it is way like you, I don't want to say too much. Okay. I'll just say this on Saturday, you know, we were just Saturday was our fun day this week. And I said, while, cause I look at real estate on the internet all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, I like to look at like multi-million dollar properties because it's fun. Yeah. And especially after 2020, I was like, we need to move to like some secluded place where we can grow our own food and we can, um, you know, be self-sustaining mm-hmm. and we can also bring our whole family and whatever. Yeah. You want to make a compound. Right. Right. <laughs> like literally. Literally, I'm on all the email lists looking at these giant properties. Oh my gosh. So um, on Saturday morning, I said, Wally, there's an open house like an hour from here. Let's go. And it's like a multi-million dollar situation. And, uh, and he was like, why are we even going? Because, you know, it's so far out of reach for us. And I was like, let's just go. And we went and let's just say, no, let's just say I am still talking back and forth with the realtor a week later. Oh my goodness. That is exciting. But, and I, I, it's, it's like a million miles away, but the, the, what's probably going to end up happening is it, it won't come to fruition, which is fine, but I will have learned a whole bunch of things. Right. Yeah. And I will have learned that it's not so far out of reach. If you use your, um, I don't know, the creative, your creativity of like solving problems, Mm -hmm. you know, like how, how could I, how could I do that? Well, what about creative financing? What about this? What about that? And now I'm looking at all, I'm learning about all of these things. And if the road comes to an end, that's okay. Cause I'm, I learned something. I made a connection with this, with this real estate guy in the area. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, my heart happy moment is that I didn't, I didn't back down from it and think I could never do that. I thought, well, maybe I can do that. That's so exciting. So we'll see. That's very cool. I can't <laughs> wait to learn more and see what happens. Yeah. That's great. So what about you? Um, well, this week we're doing um Valentine's stuff, and I kind of kicking myself because it's the week 
it's the week at Valentine's Day is on a, was on a Monday this year. And I was like, do we do Valentine's stuff the week before or the week of Valentine? And so we're, we're doing it this week, the week of Valentine's Day. Um, and so some of the kids are like, Miss Casey, Valentine's Day is over. Why are we doing Valentine's cards in class? Like, <laughs> I'm like, girl, just like go with it. It's fine. It's, it's fine. Okay. Um, Bonus. Yeah. But we, I, I love to do this activity where we, uh, the dancers stand on a piece of paper in first position. And then I trace their feet and it makes like a little heart. So it's like oh, a yeah. little ballet Valentine's card. Um mm-hmm. And so we were, we've been doing that this week and so many, and you know, I'm like, okay, you can make a card to give to someone you can get, or you can keep it for yourself because it's important to love yourself too. And this and that. Um, so, you know, think, make your, make your card, think about who you want to give it to. And like, at least half of my kids gave them to me. (laughs) Oh, and it was just so sweet. Like they're, yeah, they're just adorable and I love it. So that was my heart happy that my kids wanted to give me Valentine's. That's sweet. My girl, Brooke, Mm -hmm. um, she's my dance, my dance director. Um, She got, she posted on her stories. It was so funny. She, a a whole class full of students wrote her Valentine's and they all misspelled her name and she was Miss Broke. (laughs) Oh my God. That's hilarious. She was like, and it's one of the Valentine's was like, Dear, you will always be Miss Broke. And she was like, I really hope that I'm not broke. <laughs> but I, I, I just was trying to figure out how the whole class did it. And I'm wondering if they were like, how do you spell Miss Brooke? And someone's like, this is how you spell it. And yeah. It and then they all, <laughs> that's amazing. Oh my God. I love it. None of my kids can spell my name right. Oh, I get, well, your name I get K's so and many. double E's and Y, Y's where they're not supposed to be. There's so many ways to spell, to spell Casey, but yeah, anyway. All right. Well, thank you for chatting today and thank you listeners for being here and we will be back next week with another episode and don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and sign up for the DSO Connect retreat, which is June 24th through 26th this year in Phoenix, Arizona. It's going to be amazing. Um, It's going to be a really intimate event, only a handful of people, uh, only a handful of spaces. So make sure you jump on that and sign up. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next time. Bye guys. Bye.